you're asking the wrong questions. And I, I think that humans do that a lot because we don't have God's perspective on us or the people around us or the world that we live in. Hello, this is the Adventure to the Bible podcast. My name is Matt. Joining me today are your friends and mine, Karen. Uh, good morning. And Tracy. Good morning. And since she's not here, we get to make fun of her. Amy will not be with us today. Jeez, Amy. <laughs> she's decided that, you know, sleep and health are important. It's a crazy talk. Sleep, <laughs> sleep when you're dead. I slept terribly last night. <laughs> you what, Karen? I slept terribly last night. Yeah? I don't know why. No, just because maybe you've got, you know, bad things on your conscience that you need to work out. You have deep, dark secrets you need to re- reveal to us in the world right here and now? Well, if they were deep and dark and secrets, the answer would be no. <laughs> also, I didn't have any. The answer would be no. So, no. <laughs> no sleep. <laughs> Till Brooklyn? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, our older audience is not going to have any idea what we're talking about there on that one. <laughs> Come to think of it, our younger audience wouldn't either. So I don't consider us old, you know, 50s is not old. It's the new 20s. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Off the rails, man. But uh, it is, it's it's fallen, you know, speaking of health, I, <laughs> Karen sent me a couple of, uh, of photos that I was already thinking about anyway, and it's pro, how, how was it? It's, uh, it's uh, fall and it's time, for, I'm going to keep my health up through uh, eating fresh produce of candy corn. <laughs> and candy pumpkins. And candy pumpkins. I'm more of a candy corn fan. The pumpkins are a bit much for me, but. Well, yeah, corn and pumpkins though, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't know what it is. I can eat candy corn. Well, you got, I, uh, I probably said it. You got to eat them one at a time and you got to bite the, the, the colors off. One yeah, you have to separate it by color. Yeah. Yeah. You can, if you just, if you put the whole thing in your mouth, like a psychopath, there's something wrong with you. Yeah. And communism. Or, it's like, it's yeah. the communism is ugly. Now, unless you're eating them with peanuts, then you can do like two or three candy corns at a time with a couple of peanuts, then you're then you're solid. But if you're eating candy corn by itself, you have to eat it one color at a time. So, okay, so here's a weird candy corn story. One time in like February or March, I saw uh-huh. a bag of candy corn and That's I was like, wrong. oh my gosh, I love candy corn. And so I bought it and it <laughs> just didn't, I, I didn't, I didn't want it. It's like, not right. Once a year is good. Once yeah, a year it's is good. It's not right. You can only eat it. I ha- I can't start like before October. I just can't, you know. <laughs> and then after Thanksgiving, or sometimes even after Halloween, I'm just like done. I can't anymore. Because it just doesn't taste the same. I'm convinced of this. It is a truth. I think it spoils or something. <laughs> <laughs> the honey in it goes bad. Never mind that honey can't go bad. Right. Yeah, I don't know what it is. But eating candy corn. See, eating candy corn in the summertime, that's probably more disturbing than somebody who eats an entire candy corn all in one go. That's just, <laughs> it's just not right. <laughs> so Gina makes this mixture with hers. She does candy corn. She does almonds. She does pecans. And either one of them, you could candy either one of them. Um, and then sometimes does granola in there with them. Mm-hmm. Not a bad mixture. Sounds pretty good. Yeah. I say, 
yeah. weirdly healthy. I know. <laughs> I think it's just so you can eat more candy corn. Is that what it is? I don't know. Something like that. Or you just break it up. I don't know what it is, but it's awfully good. It sounds pretty amazing. I might have to try that. I haven't I haven't mixed my peanuts in yet this year, but oh, sounds good. Sounds good. And see, this is all in perspective because you know we've been talking about the harvest season and stuff in, in the Bible. And so, you know, it's that it's it's only right for us to talk about eating candy corn on the podcast because it puts into perspective harvest and and such. And that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Mm, <laughs> well thought out or something. Yeah. Yeah, or just thought of right now off the cuff, and it's Matt being an idiot as usual. No one would guess that from your delivery. Mm-mm, no? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Karen and her <laughs> blunt honesty. <laughs> Feel the love from Kentucky. <laughs> One time, I had a boss who... He okay, so I worked in the legal field. He was a lawyer, he was one of the partners at this firm that I worked at, and he had to deliver some bad legal news to a client. So the client really just wanted to have a better claim than they did and comes storming out of his office, just so upset, so upset. And uh, my boss comes out slowly, you know, he, he comes out, this guy comes out, he, he like pays his bill and he just storms out. Oh, and then here comes my boss and he's looking kind of defeated and he goes, I just, it doesn't seem to matter how many years I'm in practice. I just, sometimes I, I just upset people when the, and is this a human failing that I'm so upset about this? Like I feel so bad. And I said, what I thought was obvious. I said, well, perhaps you haven't yet attained godhood. Right? <laughs> To me, this, to me, this makes sense. And he looks at me and he starts laughing. One of the other partners had wandered out there and started laughing also. And he goes, oh, just when I just when I'm feeling normal about life, Karen's there to level me out and take me to ground level or sometimes even lower. And I was like, what did I say? <laughs> Do you think that you did it? <sighs> These are Whatever. lawyers, right? <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Uh, uh, oh, gosh, that's funny stuff. <laughs> I don't think uh, it's a rare ability I have. I think I just blurt out what I see with no filter. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> All right, well, let's get into what we're here for, which is to talk about the Bible in actuality and not in in uh, goofy context of its candy corn season. <laughs> uh, today we're going to be talking about Luke chapter twelve. We're attached to things we've already talked about largely when we talked about Matthew. I think it was ten, but but these little bits are are stuff that Luke has put in, and for some reason in the chronological order they got put in here. Um, I don't suppose it really matters that much where they get put in because, in fact, some of what we're going to have to talk about we we'll almost have to talk about in context with some of the stuff we talked about before. But anyway, as we get into this in, in uh, Luke chapter twelve. Luke, uh, uh, verse 13 starts a parable that, that, uh, another parable that Jesus is telling and someone comes out of the crowd Jesus is speaking to, and they want Jesus to get involved in a family dispute. He says, tell my brother to, to divide the inheritance with me. And you know, when I'm reading this, I'm thinking my first, my third, my first thought 
is why would you go to a religious figure to help him have him help you resolve a legal dispute? Because, I mean, the last person probably, if I'm having a legal dispute in my family that I'm probably going to go to, would be my pastor. But so I, I got looking at the notes in my Bible. It sort of made sense then because Jesus is considered a rabbi, and a rabbi is supposed to be a or an expert in the law, at least the in law. Jewish law. Right. And so they would go to these rabbis and say, help us figure this thing out. But it also gives you a take on how legalistic they were. Yeah. You know what I mean? Everything mm-hmm. by those, what did we say at one point? 2,000 plus laws and, you know, different things to abide by. And yeah, it kind of gives you a sense of that's how legalistic they were. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, and it's it's Jesus's answer is sort of interesting here because well first he comes right back at the guy he says well who made me a judge over you and so it's almost as if Jesus's perspective he lays out there is similar to my perspective it's like why are you coming why are you coming to this religious figure to have him settle a dispute between you and your brother and. I don't know. Maybe it's going to be showing a bit of my lack of compassion. <laughs> and I, I'll own that. I'll own that. But sometimes I wonder why people lean so heavily on their pastors for figuring out problems. And I'm not talking just spiritual problems. It's just like a lot of times it's just life problems. People will go and they will they will lay everything on their pastor and i mean i guess i sort of get it because our spiritual life if we are living a spiritual life those (laughs) our spiritual life ought to be affecting all of our decisions the way we the way we do other things in life i just wonder sometimes why i don't know why people want to lay so heavily on their pastors for these things i don't think it's just pastors i think people want leaders that's fair. So yeah. if you are spiritually minded, you want a spiritual leader. If you're um, sociopolitically minded, you look for political leaders. If you are economically minded, you look for financial leaders. I think people want leaders. And I don't think that that's a bad thing, except when we go to humans, other humans, not for collaborative advice, but for gold-plated advice, right? Mm -hmm. So you see what I'm saying? I think that if people make the mistake of reaching out to another human being and accepting their word, well, the the catchphrase is like gospel, but you understand what I mean. Mm -hmm. Like if I go to another human and I treat, because of their position, I treat their word as infallible, I've got a problem. Yeah. But... I do believe that humans function best in a hierarchy of authority and that we reach for that and that when we get lazy, we reach for it too much. Yeah. So I, yeah. I, don't, think, I don't think it's any more complicated than that. I don't think it <clears throat> reveals great internal weakness or is something to be belabored. I think it's human nature to want leadership. Yeah. No, and that makes sense. It does. I don't know. I mean, it's it's probably just a personality thing. I am more likely to not want to air all my problems with any other human being necessarily, you know, other than maybe my wife. Um, whereas 
there are some who really, really crave, possibly require that outside help. And oh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna really probably step my stick my foot in it right here. But yesterday, right after church, Tracy and I were asked to pray with a family that was having a family. I don't even really know what the dispute was, but they were having a, a family issue. And they were desperately looking for somebody uh, <laughs> from the church to pray with them. And there's a part of me that goes, why don't you just pray? You know, uh, I, I was happy to do it. Don't get me wrong. I was happy to do it um, because I never I never think that more people praying is going to be a bad thing. It's just interesting to me when somebody wants to go to somebody else. I mean, these people don't, they probably recognize me from church, but they don't really know me. But for some reason, they they were wanting me as a quote unquote leader to pray with them. I also think that when people feel subjectively caught up in their situation, one of the reasons that people like leadership is that leadership is objective. And so when they want advice or help or propping up of some way, they seek out entities that they think are objective and fair. So take it as a compliment. Mm -hmm. Now, I know you. (laughs) We'll just stop this conversation here. You see where I'm going to go with this. But you you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I do. I know people who will put all of their dirty laundry on social media. Yeah. Like they're so looking for for other people's opinion that they will they will throw out. Oh, my goodness, the stuff. And I don't even hard. I, I think I log into Facebook like a couple of times a year lately. But it's like that, you know, it. so it is, I believe, somewhat of a personality thing. But within that personality thing, I definitely think it's a human thing to reach for objective reinforcement or help when you're struggling to produce that yourself. Yeah, good point. I kind of take it from a different point of view. I could see the, you know, having an objective resource or a leader that you look to. I also look to it as we always say that there's power in prayer. And then what when you get to church, you you look for those prayer warriors that you think can can turn the tide mm-hmm. where you're feeling that you're on one side of the pole and the other person is on the other side of the pole. So you want to, to have that strength in, in prayer. Although I think that's a slippery slope though, when you get there, because then it's like, okay, you're trying to say who's right and who's wrong and trying to balance the scale that way. But I think too, that the religious person, just like you're saying, Karen, in the, a few minutes ago, you want that religious leader to say, okay, let's, let's pray about it. Let's let's put the petition to God. Let's um, let's have multiple people pray about it so you can maybe they can get some discernment from it as well and help them make a better objective decision, like you were saying. Um, but I also think that just like I said, it sometimes I wonder if it's not to wanting to tip the scale, if that makes sense or, you know, and, and, and I'll put my just like Matt kind of used the phrase, maybe I'm putting my foot in it, but sometimes I wonder if you think you could tilt it in your favor by by putting up prayer. Now, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think sometimes you want that to make you feel better because you in those times when you're when you need comforting, what do you usually pray for? 
the Holy Spirit to, to come and to comfort you. You know, maybe when you're hurting that much, that's when you go to those people. Is it right or is it wrong? Who's to say? But, um, you know, sometimes I feel like you just, you know where your power comes from. So you want to to pray more. You want more pray, people praying for it, for i.e. power, i.e. discernment, i.e. comfort. That's kind of my take on it. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm not trying to imply that anything is wrong with going to somebody, you know, I mean, yeah, we look for those leaders. There's reason, that I, I guess there's reasons that people are in leadership positions. And sometimes it's because they want those positions, and sometimes it's just because they find themselves in those positions, which I think tends to be my case. Because I think in, in this case, I was asked to be involved because people see me up front a lot. You know, I'm, I, I serve as... Well, we call it, you know, MC and the delivering the announcements and that kind of thing. Occasionally I'm up there preaching. It was just so interesting yesterday because it was another member of the church who pointed this other lady out to me and said, that woman over there is looking for someone to pray with her. (laughs) So there was part of me going, why didn't you pray with her then? You know, so it's just, I don't know. And I guess, you know, we're talking about prayer and intercession from God, which is not exactly what's happening in this in this in this case, um, because I don't think that this guy is looking to Jesus specifically as a religious leader, certainly not looking at Jesus or well, I'm, I'm guessing well, he's I'm a rabbi. Assuming. he was a rabbi. Well, yeah, like, look- he wore the clothes yeah. and he was recognizable. Yeah, but I, I didn't get the impression from, you know, the text that he's coming to him because he's a religious leader, but some more than because he's uh, supposed to be an expert in the law. And mm, I don't okay, so, think he's... Um, I would just quickly interject that in Israel, that was the same thing. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, you can be two things at the same time and somebody can be coming you, to you for one reason, because it's not like he said, pray with me about my dispute with my with my brother. It was make my brother share the inheritance with me. So he's coming to him right. more for the legal aspect than for the spiritual aspect. Um, and I don't think he is coming to him because of because he thinks he's the son of God. I think he's probably coming to him specifically because he's a rabbi slash expert in the law. And so a little bit of different context than what we're talking about there, but I think it all still kind of applies. But so, yeah, Jesus, you know, he's like, who made me a judge over you? Um, It's kind of like, you know, that's not why I'm here. I'm not here to help you figure out your legal dispute with your brother. Does that mean that Jesus isn't interested in, in, um, equality i was going to say equity equality you know justice uh you know is this even a justice issue or is this guy just not happy with what he's getting out of the deal the practice of the time was that the oldest would get uh the double portion i guess is what they would call it and then the younger would get you know a smaller bit and yeah it was two-thirds and one-third mm-hmm and, and you know, does that mean if there's more brothers that all those other brothers will have to split that third? I don't really know. But the guy isn't coming to Jesus for a spiritual uh, uh, solution to this. He's just looking for a legal solution. And Jesus's response to me kind of sounds like that's not really why I'm here. I'm not here to do that for you. And. and so, so does, you know, it kind of it raises that question. It's not so much a question to me, but it, it is, there's an aspect here that 
you want to say, well, okay, but doesn't Jesus believe in justice? Well, of course he does. But some sometimes these things of this aspect of justice is not something that Jesus is particularly I'm going to say interested in because it's not it's not the kind of justice he's there to make sure is taking place. Uh, and he really reiterates this concept when he says, beware of covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Jesus isn't so much interested in our wealth, not to say he doesn't want us to have it. Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. I think that's going to depend on the person. Some people can handle it better. Some people can't. You know, who knows if this guy could ha- could handle of course, who knows what kind of inheritance was involved here anyway. Might have been huge, might have been small. I don't know. But Jesus is trying to get across that these things are not what your life needs to be about. Material goods are not your life. They don't give you life. We spend a lot of time accumulating, well, not so much accumulating, but we spend a lot of time working towards getting those material things. And some of those material things we absolutely need. Some of them we just want. It is a huge part of our life to that we spend working for stuff. Do we spend too much time on that? Are we spinning our wheels? You know, I look at the same thing. You know, I was thinking of it, reading it, and I have a note here. Accumulation. Mm-hmm. And it it dawned on me maybe, and it was well it was before we were doing the podcast. But when we moved, we lived in our last house, ooh, almost seventeen, eighteen years. And I tell everybody, it is amazing what you get to get into a small closet because it becomes a labyrinth, twist, turn to put it in there, and it fits in there, and you could close the door. But when you go to move, and you open up that closet and you start to unload it, it unload it into the room that it's next to. And you step back and look at it and think to yourself, how did I get so much stuff mm-hmm. in that closet? You know, and it is it is it you're storing up? Is that what it's because you're working for that? Or is it just you accumulate junk over time? You know, and I almost wonder if it's like us with that spiritually in the world that we live in. We just accumulate so much junk over the run of your life. Yeah. You know, and it's. Not that you're trying to amass it and you need more a bigger storehouse or anything that like that. Because when you do move, you know, when you're young, you tend to move and get bigger houses as you go because your family's getting bigger. And then you acquire more junk. And then towards the end of your life, I think that's when you you realize, what did I do? You know, where did your money go? Or, mm-hmm. you know, why do I have so much stuff? And, and then you downsize. So, you know, I could see that in a... You know, I'm also wondering if he's just thinking, you have a lot. You have to the point of your storehouses are are overflowing, and all you can think of is, I'm going to build a bigger one. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So there's a part of accumulation, and there's a part of just, that's all you seek is wealth. Yeah. No, we definitely are very good at accumulating stuff. George Carlin has a pretty good stand-up about that. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Obviously, George Carlin is not a spiritual man. If you have a problem with profanity, I wouldn't recommend listening to him. <laughs> but he, you know, he had a certain wisdom about himself, and yeah. his his skip 
skit on getting stuff is pretty good and how we yes. get places to get bigger stuff so we can have more stuff, you know. So um, I think in the big picture, like if you pull back from this and just kind of take the 30,000 foot view, to me, this is a misfire. Like we're, we're little itty bitty people. We're down here slogging through humanity, caught up in the details, accumulating stuff, worrying about interpersonal relationships, operating out of a sense of desperation and fear and starvation because maybe we won't have enough for all possibilities that we can think of. I'm remembering while I was listening to you guys talk, I was, I remembered this, <laughs> this thing like back when the Israelites were just coming, they were coming into the promised land and they were going to go take Jericho. You remember this story mm -hmm. with the angel and is it, I think it's Joshua is out kind of praying and whatever. And, and a warrior, you know, a warrior being appears and he leaps to his feet and he says, are you for us or against us? And the angel says, um, I'm from God's army, right? right. So you're asking the wrong questions. And I, I think that humans do that a lot because we don't have God's perspective on us or the people around us or the world that we live in. And I mean, how many times throughout the Bible are, does God say, you know, vengeance is mine. I'll handle this. I'll take care of the big picture. In this world, you will have trouble, but be at peace. Right. So all of the things that we worry about, do not worry. You can't add an hour to your life. You can't add any height to your body. You, If you can't even do these small things, why are you worrying about the big things? Don't you know that God will take care of you? And and that's that's a tough thing because we also are told to be stewards. Mm -hmm. And I think anyone with any spiritual acuity feels a responsibility to live up to the to handling well the things that God has given them here on earth to handle. And so that gets to be a toss up, like how much time and energy do I put into handling this well? And at what point am I nit nitpicking or hoarding or operating out of fear or trying to see beyond what I'm capable of or, right? You see what I'm getting at? Like, mm -hmm. as with most of living as a human, I find this balance point hard to find. Mm -hmm. It's easy to fall off this, you know, I, I in a church that I went to previously, um, when I lived in Alaska, there was this lady who was a complete financial disaster, utter disaster. And she would um, she would have zero like she lived on disability, which, you know, that's that's tough right there, like trying to live on disability. Right. And then in Alaska, your heating bills go way up in the winter. And oh, my goodness. And what are you going to do? And if you're on a fixed income, how are you going to make up this difference? She would come to church and she would stand up at prayer time and she would tell these stories that just would like just curdle my stomach. She would be like, well, I hadn't replaced my tires in two years. And so I'm basically ice skating around town on the ice. And uh, so finally, one of my tires got so thin. It's like January, right? One of my tires got so thin, it just it just burst. It just it just blew up. And, and so my car's in the shop and they're like, well, we can't just replace one tire when you got three other slicks on here. Like you need a full set. And it was going to cost over $900. And I had like $35 in my bank account. So I told them to go ahead because I figured I would pray about it. Right. <laughs> like, is this person operating in faith or are they operating on human stupidity? Right. I, I honestly don't know the answer to that question. Like, I'm yeah. in a continual state of that dilemma. Like, when do I run to God and say, fix it, fix it. There's a problem. Fix it. When is that faith and when is that childishness? I don't know. 
But in this case, the same as when Joshua says, are you for us or against us? And the angel's like, well, are those the only two options? Because I'm from God's army and we're not part, we don't have, you know, we sort of have a dog in this fight, but it's taken care of. Right. He, mm -hmm. he doesn't even engage in the same way. This guy runs to Jesus and says, make him give me this. And Jesus mm -hmm. is like, do you think that I'm here for that? Like, I'm literally here for your soul and you're worried about your inheritance. But from a human perspective, it's so hard to get that. Yeah, we're you know, we have what's right in front of us. And we, you know, even though we have a concept in our head of eternity, we don't always think about uh, you know, we don't always think about eternity. We think about right now, you know. Well, Jesus, he continues on with a parable then, which it, it's sort of the George Carlin thing, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> this this rich man, which implies to me maybe Jesus knows a little something about this guy that's talking to him, because it sounds like, you know, does this guy maybe already have plenty? He might. You know, maybe he doesn't, maybe he does. We don't really know. We're not given that in the story. But so in the parable, though, Jesus tells about this rich man who has land and the land proves bountiful. He ends up with a huge crop. Uh, he does so well that he doesn't have anywhere to store his excess. And so he decides to tear down the barns he has to make way for bigger barns. And he feels so secure for his future that he decides, hey, this is a good time to take it easy. And he uses the phrase, I should eat, drink, and be merry. It's so funny to me that that phrase these days gets put into a positive context. I had a I had a bag of coffee that I acquired from somewhere. Somebody gave it to me or something. I don't remember. But on somewhere on there, I had that quote, eat, drink, and be merry. And I'm going, I don't remember that being a positive context because this guy <laughs> – this guy is doing this, and Jesus is kind of going, you know what? That's it, that's kind of a bad attitude. <laughs> do that, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> now, but to be fair, though, when you read, go back to Ecclesiastes, that phrase is used a few times, and if, I believe it's Solomon who wrote that. He kind of says at times, of course, remember, Ecclesiastes is the life sucks and, and uh, everything about it. But um, he says in that's that, he says— paraphrase. Yeah, <laughs> he says a lot of times one of the only things that's worth anything is to eat, drink, and, and be merry. So, you know, there's is is there a difference there? On one hand, it's great. On the other hand, it's not. So, you know, what's the difference? I suppose it's the context in which we're looking at it. Um, but so anyway, that's where this rich man is. He's like, oh, it's time to eat, drink, and be merry. You know, I got all kinds. I got everything I could need plus some. So let's just let's just take it easy. And then in the parable, God comes to the man and he says, you're going to die tonight. What good is all your wealth now? I like it how it starts off. Um, it just says basically, but God said to him, fool. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's yeah. not very often that that Jesus uses that. Fool. Right. You're yeah. a fool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because what good is it going to do you now? Who's going to get your stuff now? Who will get the spoils of all your work when you're gone? You've been working so hard for that. And guess what? It's it's gone. It's going to be gone. He says, so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So it's the balance point. You see, that's uh -huh. the balance point. It's not that you're not supposed to save up. It's that you're not supposed to focus on that. Well, you're not rich towards God. Mm hmm. 
one of my favorite sermons I've ever heard was about exactly that, being rich towards God. Like, don't get sidetracked on the earthly part of this and not realize that he's talking about a balance between earthly and spiritual matters. You know, and I have written in here in my notes, too, that it, just in that last phrase, it's like, don't store your treasures here on earth. You can't take them with you. Yeah. 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 And but, you know, I mean, it's not it's this is not an injuncture. Is that the right word against wealth? There's nothing wrong with having wealth, but it's it it's all a matter of your perspective. And, you know, what are you going to do with the wealth? Um, What is going to be your attitude towards attaining the wealth? You know, is because is there anything wrong for planning for our future? No, we're told that you, you, you know, you build your wealth for not your children, but your children's children for generational wealth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's, it's exactly kind of what Karen is saying to that point. It's like, but don't get it twisted. Yeah. Don't do one without the other. Yes, exactly. You need riches towards God, just not earthly riches. Yep. Because I think that richness towards God is going to. This is a a slippery slope is going to enable you to be a better steward and the better steward you are with the, the, the dollar you have, the more, the more the potential is that you'll have more because you're trusted with more. Mm -hmm. I was talking with my oldest son about this the other day. We were, I don't even remember what the context of the conversation was, but you know, it was like I was saying before, we spend so much of our time of our lives accumulating and then you know the the average retirement age here in America is 65 but the average lifespan is i think i saw 74 so we spend 65 years of our life acquiring uh things for the end of our life and then we get less than 10 years with it you know um and of course, you know, these are averages, but it's like, wow, that is really depressing. It is. <laughs> if, if, and I've then you know, really take into consideration your physical state. Yeah. After that 65 years, you know, a lot of times those aren't the best years of your life. No. no. And you're using that wealth, honestly, sometimes taking care of what you have at mm-hmm. that, you know, health wise, which can be in our society a large amount. Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yes, yes. You know, that's my 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 other son. You know, we were talking about the inheritance that we we may uh, acquire once my father in law passes. <laughs> not that any of us are looking forward to that. I always remind them. I was like, oh, this is not, being recorded. Just, I know. Just, just I always remind out. them we're not looking forward to that, and we're not counting on this. But you know, I said if if something happens and he has to go to a nursing home. We might as well kiss that goodbye. So don't count on that, you know. It's a, and, uh, and you know he's got all these plans for the for the house and the land. He's like, well, you're gonna get all this money. Like, what? no, we're probably not. So 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 quit that. Yeah, end <laughs> of life living is often expensive. Yeah, um, I've had this running joke with my daughter. So for for many years after she moved out of the house as a young adult, she got a a shared house with four other university students that she's going to school with. Um, but she and I would still call each other up when we were going to go grocery shopping or when we had to go run errands. And we'd be like, hey, what are you doing? You want to go run errands? And we would just go tootle about together, right? And so now I tend to be a cash person. I carry cash. 
And um, does that tell you how many times I've been through Dave Ramsey? But whatever. <laughs> so we would be standing at the checkout in some store and I would pull out my wallet and I would start counting out the money and, and she would lean over and she would just stare at the money and she would go, is that my inheritance? <laughs> and I would go, yes. And then I would hand it to the store clerk and it just turned into this, to this total joke, right? She's 29 now and we still do this. Is that my, inher- <laughs> is that my inheritance? Yes, and then I'll hand what's, it to someone what's else. Left and she, the last bit of it. Yeah, and she'll, and she'll go, oh, and she'll look all disappointed. And the store clerk is usually just dying laughing. <laughs> it it's was funny. your inheritance. Yeah, it was your inheritance. <laughs> and I don't even remember how that joke started. It was so funny, though, and we still oh, do it. That is funny. That is funny. But, you know, that's that's sort of the way we got the perspective we should have, you know. Well, the funniest yes. part is she thinks she's getting an inheritance. Well, <laughs> <laughs> what's the title of the bestseller? How to die broke. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, all these, all these things, that's basically it of that story is that this guy has spent so much time or, you know, getting himself to a point where he thinks he's he's going to have it easy and only to find that well no you you did all this and now it's going to go to other people anyway and so you know it brings all these ideas of what and how we should deal with our wealth you know should we should we use it towards helping other people cuz once we die other people are going to get it anyway you know like tracy said we you, and it's a the common phrase you can't take it with you and you can't somebody is going to end up with it Maybe it's your kids. Hopefully it's your kids. Um, if you know, but you know, some people die without it, without anyone for the money to go to. And the, the, the state takes it, you know, the government takes it. And then where does it go? You know, who knows? It's not yours though. Do you, um, I was just going to say, do you guys remember Eric? I've heard of him. I've heard, heard of him. So <laughs> our, our illustrious fellow podcaster who used to be on here with us, Eric, he preached a clever sermon about stewardship one time. And one of the things he said in it that I remember was <clears throat> he described this this person like carefully, you know, uh, you know, taking gold, like gold, I got to have gold, 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 and like taking it to heaven and then showing up at the pearly gates and St. Peter being like, you brought chunks of pavement? Yeah. <laughs> like, dude, we, we paved the streets with that around here. Like, why are you worried about that? We have plenty. I mean, thank you. Thank you, you so much for that. your for your two for your two mites. But um, we're doing okay. In fact, ours is clear. It's so pure. It's clear. Yours has like stuff in it. Yeah, and yours is ugly yellow. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's an interesting perspective. So I mean, yes, we're supposed to be smart. Yes, you know, going back to this guy, make my brother give me right. Yes, we're supposed to be fair. You know, we're supposed to be objectively fair and not you know partisan with each other in any way. You know, we're not supposed to give preference to the rich or to the poor. You know, the correction is given throughout the scriptures either way. You don't give leniency to the poor and you don't give leniency to the rich. You know, that's just how it is. If somebody comes into church and they're dressed well, you don't give them the seat of honor. Everyone gets treated the same. And so, yes, does this person, this per, this person who originally came to Jesus, does he, does he, does he have a legitimate claim? Probably. But that's not the point of Jesus' ministry. So, time and place and... Balance, I think, are the tricks to this. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Well, and this gets followed up by Luke. We we don't need to touch on it here because we've already talked about it. But ta- you know, the whole thing of, you know, you don't need to worry about all these things because, um, you know, 
Jesus or God feeds the birds of the air and he dresses the, the, the grass with lilies, you know, and, and, and these things. And so you don't need to spend so much time worrying about this stuff, which is not to say that everybody ends up wealthy. It's not to say that everybody always has enough to eat and that always, everybody always has nice clean, you know, nice, uh, nice, nice clothes and stuff, but you know, basic needs tend to get covered, you know? And and your your life doesn't have to be about that. You shouldn't make your life about that. Oh well, I think that is going to wrap it up for this episode. Um, our I was good, planning on going a little further, but rather than try to squash it in at the time we have left over, we'll just pick it up next time. We'll look at Luke chapter uh, twelve. We'll look at uh, verses thirty-five to forty-eight, where we'll be talking about faithful servants and evil servants. And so read ahead on that. While you're reading that, remember you can reach out to us at attbpodcast at theadventure.org. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and share it with your friends and family. And we look forward to talking to you again next time. Thanks for listening.